Ever since I was little, I've always had this great fascination with baking. Now, anyone who's baked before, they know that there's a variety of different things that you can put into the oven, and you can have a lot of different creations that you can make. But I remember one of the most fascinating to me was always cookies. That there were so many different varieties of them that you could make, that there were just countless options that you could really put into the oven and make something great to behold, and often very delectable. And yet, there were so many different things that were the same for each and every recipe, that there were some ingredients that were always there, that there were flour, that there was sugar, that there was some sort of leavener, such as baking powder or baking soda, that there were a lot of constants that would always go into every recipe. But there was one that always seemed rather odd, and that was salt. Because whenever I was younger, my salt, my experience of salt was always that it was something bitter, that it was something that added a rather harsh flavor. And it really seemed that if you put it into a cookie, which the essence of a cookie is to be sweet, well then it seems like it would take away. And yet as I grew older, I began to understand that salt wasn't about bitterness, but salt was always enhancing something else that was there. That it was always drawing out and bringing forth the flavor, and it was really causing that cookie to have that sweetness in the first place, and to have that beautiful and delectable taste that we all would like. And as much as I reflect on that, I'm always drawn to that same idea, especially whenever we encounter these similes of salt and light, whenever we hear Jesus in the gospel this morning. He's telling us about the life of faith and about how it's like salt, how it's like light, how it's like a city that's on a mountain. But what exactly does that mean? What is that telling us to do? And what is that encouraging us and challenging us to do in a life of faith? We start off this morning with the book of the prophet Isaiah, and we hear the words of the Lord coming through the mouth of Isaiah, and it's largely maybe some encouragements that we would expect or some different commands of the Lord that might seem to make sense. That he's telling them to go forward and to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to shelter the homeless and the oppressed. He's telling them to do all of these things. Now, we know that the Israelite community at large in this time would have lived by the golden rule. Whatever you want to be done to you, do to others. Whatever you'd rather have others do to you, that's what you would do. And so we expect them to live that way, but here he's actually encouraging them to do more because he's telling them to look on those that they might feel are less than them and to really give them a helping hand, to extend their hand to others. But why? Well, the Lord would give them a couple of different options. The first one would be the one that we might expect is on the Israelites' hearts, that it just looks good, that it's something good to do. And so they go forward, they do those things, it looks good to others, it looks good before the Lord, and that's great. And we might expect that, and in some case that is true, but there's actually more to the story because as Isaiah lays everything out, he's actually laying out something for those that do good deeds and not just those that receive them. Because he's telling them that they're going to experience the reception of good light, that they're not just becoming a good light, but rather that they're receiving light themselves, and that even the gloom of night will become as noonday that it would be that brightest point in the very day, and it would be something that's illumined in their hearts and their souls, that the Lord's going to fill them and fill even their worst moments with his grace because they've shown grace to others, especially in their own need as well. So Isaiah speaks these words of encouragement to go forward and to do all these good things, not just because they've received light or want to look good, but because the Lord wants to give them light as well. 
Then we move on to St. Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians, which we've been continuing for the last four weeks. And St. Paul is actually giving them a sort of understanding of his perspective of where he's speaking from. That he's not looking to boast in his own ability to speak words of wisdom or his own majesty or his own rhetorical skill, but rather he's speaking of the Lord. Because whenever he's speaking to the church in Corinth, he reminds them that he's approaching in all weakness and all humility, something that seems rather unexpected because we would expect that Paul would be able to boast in his own skill, that he seems strong, that he seems able to speak words of wisdom that always sound so beautiful and so profound. And yet Paul's speaking something else because he wants to remind them that he's not about speaking words of human wisdom, but he's about preaching Christ crucified, that he wants to give them that ability to understand that Jesus Christ is in their midst, that Jesus Christ has come, suffered, died, and rose again. And so he doesn't want them to get lost in those words that are his, but he rather wants them to get lost in the message of Jesus Christ. So he's giving them that reminder. And then finally, we arrive at the Gospel of Matthew, and this is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. That the Sermon on the Mount began last weekend with the eight Beatitudes. That we hear about Jesus going up on a mountain, that place of authority and teaching, and he sits down and he t- starts to teach his disciples. He begins with the eight Beatitudes, and he continues this week with these two similes, these two metaphors for what it is to live a life of faith. And so he says... You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can we restore its flavor? That he's aware of this need to go forward and to be salt of the earth, and he's reminding them in a very shrill way to be that salt, but also to be aware of their own flavor, that they need to hold on to what it is to be salt. But then he continues on. He says, you are the light of the world, a city set on a mountain for all who can see, that it cannot remain hidden. And that he even goes forward and he tells about this light that isn't going to be hidden under a bushel basket, but rather it's put in a place of prominence so that all that are in the house can see by its light. Because he says, it's ridiculous to think that someone would hide that light and put it underneath a bushel basket or put it away, but rather they'd put it on a lampstand so that all can see by its light. That it really wants to come and serve that purpose for which it was lit. That he wants to see by that light that we should all want to see as well. And so whenever one lights a lamp, it's naturally going to be put in a place where that light can go before every land or every place that it can illumine even the darkest corners of that house. But as we consider that, we look at this gospel message, and it really encourages us in in a particular way and in an expected way to go forward into this world and to be that image of light and that image of salt. Because we know that we live in a world filled with darkness, that it's often filled with chaos and confusion, that often it lacks that peace and that security that so often every human heart desires. And so we would expect that Jesus is simply commissioning us to go forward and to give that light, to be that salt, to go forward and to change the world with our very hearts and our souls. And that's true. That, in fact, we are to be that salt, that beautiful reality and that element of what draws out the flavor in this world, that draws out what's essential and what's important. And we're also called to be that light. We're called to be the one that witnesses to the light and tells others about the hope that's in this world, especially in in the world where it seems so devoid of hope at times. And so that's true, that we're called to go forward as disciples and to go and tell others about this light and about this salt, 
about this, these ways that we continue to restore this world, especially in times when it can be so filled with darkness or with that, with that gloom. But we don't do it on our own, do we? Because, in fact, if we go back to St. Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, he reminds us that we aren't to speak words of wisdom on our own. Because so often if we do that, we go forward and we speak those words, then that message can be lost. Because we are the ones that are getting that focus, that we're the ones getting the attention. But in fact, we aren't supposed to be the light of the world ourselves. That we aren't meant to be the salt of the earth ourselves. But in fact, we're meant to be bearing the witness to the one who is the light of the world and the one that is the salt. Because we're the ones that are pointing to Christ Jesus. And so St. Paul gives us that similar encouragement that as we go forward and as we tell others about what it is to be salt and to be light, that we don't get the message lost in our own selves and we don't focus on getting attention for ourselves either. But in fact, that we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and we preach one message. That's the message of Christ crucified. But I think there's something that's more important here. Some message that might get lost and kind of put to the side, especially if we just kind of listen to the gospel and we assume that it's a blind commission to go forward and to preach and to teach and tell all nations about the light and about the salts that we might start to get our hearts and our souls lost on the core and the essential message that each of us needs to hear. And it can be prompted with this question. Where's the darkness in your heart right now? Where's the place of confusion, of chaos? Where do you need Christ's presence right in your own life? Because whenever we so often look at this commission, we can often see that it's a commission, and we think that we're just sent forward to go and to preach the gospel, to kind of throw salt and throw light around, and to kind of see where it hits or where it sticks, and kind of go that way. But we understand if we just throw salt by itself, or if we taste salt by itself, this often is so bitter, and it's something that seems almost violent to our taste buds. But we rather need to focus on the darkness in our hearts and our souls, not just to relish in that, not just to see where it consumes our hearts and our souls, but to rather see where Christ wants to enter in. Because the darkness isn't meant for our souls, but the light is. That in fact, we aren't meant to go forward and to have no flavor at all, but in fact, we're meant to have that flavor and that salt of Christ in our hearts, that because we are filled with those things, that it makes life so much better and so much more worth it. But we have to have that ourselves, that we can't just go forward and preach on empty, that we can't just be running around on fumes, but in fact, we need that salt and that light first. Because, my brothers and sisters, let's be honest with one another. There are so many different places of darkness in each of our hearts, and I dare say it varies from person to person. There are so many griefs, so many doubts, so many moments of desperation in each of our hearts and our souls. Perhaps there's wounds from so long ago that haven't been healed yet, that we're looking for Jesus' light and his presence in those places, but it feels like it hasn't been done just yet. Or maybe there's just disappointments in life. Maybe we look at those around us and we wonder why in the world it seems so depraved around us that we look at our, the leaders of our nation or maybe we look at the leaders of our state or our community or maybe even our church. And we're so discouraged that oftentimes that darkness can start to seep into our hearts and it starts to overwhelm us. Maybe there's sadness. Maybe there's despair. Maybe there's insecurity. Maybe we feel that we don't look that good, or maybe we feel that we're not good at all, or we just simply don't feel like we have what it takes. But so often that insecurity, it comes into our hearts and our souls, and it starts to steal away the light, and it steals away the flavor. And that's where Jesus does his work. 
Because in fact, the reminder is, my brothers and sisters, as much as the salt and the light are for our brothers and sisters, especially those in most need of hearing the gospel message, it's just as much for us. Because if we don't have that message ourselves, if we haven't experienced the light in a very real, a very personal and very intentional way, then we dare not have business going forward and telling the world about it, because we haven't experienced it. But in fact, it's so much more powerful if we're the ones that have had our flavor restored first, that have had our sweetness and have had that light restored in our hearts and our souls, that if we experience it first, it's going to be so much more powerful than if we're just kind of blindly casting salt at our neighbor or kind of throwing light indiscriminately at others and not really captivating ourselves with that light of Jesus Christ and the salt that with which he want come, wants to come to each one of us. Because the reality is, my brothers and sisters, we can go forward to each and every one of our brothers and sisters, especially those that we feel that are in need, and we can go forward and we can be that Sidonia Hill. We can preach that moment of refuge or that place of peace and security. We can preach that light. We can preach the ways that it comes into our sadness, our gloom, and our despair. And we can even preach the, that salt, that way so that the gospel brings out the betterment. Or we can even bring out what's best in others and even focus on that goodness and that sweetness that they provide. But my brothers and sisters, we're missing so much if we don't focus on getting those things ourselves. That if we don't let that message of Christ seep into our hearts and our souls and truly make them sweet, to make them flavorful, and to give them light, then we often find ourselves lacking and we don't find ourselves in a very powerful place or a place where we can speak about that salt and that light, especially with any authority. Because Jesus reminds us that that salt is there, that the light is there, and even that city on a hill, that all of those things that we could provide for others, they're all there, they're all important, and it's essential that we go forward and preach them to all nations and to every land and every place. But why don't we start with our hearts first? Why don't we see about those places where we need that salt, where we need that flavor and that sweetness restored, or maybe we need the light of Christ in those places of doubt, despair, or insecurity, those places where we need Christ to enter into our hearts and our reality. Because I dare say, my brothers and sisters, if we focus on obtaining that for ourselves first, then we're going to be so much more effective and so much more powerful whenever we go forward and speak about that salt, that city, and the light, especially to our brothers and sisters who need so desperately to hear of that message. We know that we live in a world of darkness. We know that we live in a world of despair and so often is filled with chaos. That's not unfamiliar to us. But what is unfamiliar and so often escapes our grasp is that light and that salt of Christ. And that's really where the work is, that we need to continue to grasp after those things and to have our hearts and our souls filled with them so that we can preach to a world that's so desperately in need. It's much like that batch of cookie dough, that whenever we have that salt, it makes everything so much better and it brings out the sweetness of that dough. My brothers and sisters, we're called to be salt, we're called to be light. Let's go forward and be that salt and that light, but let's also be recipients so that we too can experience what the, that salt and that light of Christ is and then speak about it to a world in so much need.